Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher in New York City. First off, I want to thank everybody for the kind words about last week's episode featuring Derek Killingbird Tenbush. Of course, we all love it when KB, as I like to call him, is on the uh, podcast, but as we all know, he's a busy man. He can't always join me, but it was fun to go over the World Series of Poker schedule for the fall. Uh, Very, very fun to kind of take a walk down memory lane. (laughs) It feels like so long since we've actually been able to look at a schedule and kind of pick what tournaments we'd like to play and all of that. Yeah, as for me, it still looks like I'll be spending at least most of the, the, look, I almost said summer, just because when I think WSOP, I think summer. Most of the fall in Vegas, uh, the thing starts kind of very last day of September, and runs through mid-November, and I expect to be able to be out there for the whole thing, and if not, at least 90% of it. So, should be a good time. I hope that some of you are also planning to join up, and maybe we can even do a TPE meetup. Those are always a good time. I wanted to do something a little bit different today, and I was sent a hand via Twitter, at Clayton Comic. If you're not following me on Twitter, please start. Always appreciate the follows and the likes and the ads and the retweets and all that jazz. But I got a a hand from a Twitter user by the name of Mark Lovin, at Mark C. Lovin, L-O-V-I-N, on Twitter. He is a TPE member and a friend of the podcast. And so he sent a hand that I haven't even looked at yet. Uh, I just brought it up and we're going to talk through it together in real time. I thought that would be fun because... When you actually play poker in a tournament, you you have to make your decisions in real time. It's great to be able to analyze hands away from the table, but for this exercise, I want to see what I would do in Hero's shoes, trying to pretend that I don't know what's going to happen. Um, The description of the hand reveals a little too much (laughs) for my taste about what will happen, but I I expect that I'll be able to to play this hand um, with you guys today in the way that I would play were I actually sitting there in Mark Lovin's shoes. So it's on our favorite website these days, ACR. It seems like all the hands we talk about on the podcast anymore come from America's Card Room. Uh, This one is a $250,000 guarantee. I'm not sure what the buy-in was, but he's playing day two. So I'm assuming the buy-in was probably, let's say, 109 in that range for sure. All right, so it's one of these with multiple starting days, and somehow we end up playing on day two. So presumably we are in the money or near the money, but let's just make those uh, assumptions that we're in the, in the money for our purposes for this hand history review. All right, so let's look at the situation. We have ace-king. We are in the cutoff position. Uh, we have three million in chips. The blinds sit at 
13K and 26K. It looks like there's some sort of ante in the pot because, yeah, there's some kind of ante because the uh, the current pot is 74,100. So it looks like the ante is just under 4,000 to create a total pot of 74,100, including blinds and antes. And Hero sitting on 3 million, that is 114 big blinds, which is great. Uh, looks like the action is going to fold around to the Hero. Yeah, so uh, before I tell you what Hero does, let's look at the stacks to our left. Now it's folded to us in the cutoff. Uh, the dealer, the button has 1.5 million and the small blind with 2.6 million, almost as much as we have. And here's the key. The big blind is the short stack at the table with only 29 bigs. He's got 761,000 in his stack. So uh, obviously it would be great if we can just get all in pre-flop against that stack. Uh, against these other two stacks, I wouldn't be too happy to get this many chips all in pre. Uh, I suppose it's fine uh, uh, versus the button, especially. We, now we don't have any reads on our opponents, but especially if he is uh, a loose aggressive type of player. But in the absence of any reads here, I thought we should just you know, assume that our opponents are all competent against competent opponents if you get all in with over, let's say, about 70 big blinds pre-flop and you have ace-king, you're going to be in trouble the vast majority of the time because most players aren't going to keep raising and re-raising with jacks at that point. At, at some point, they have to slow down on the raising for fear that you might actually have the nuts. Okay, so we do open. We do uh, a minimum raise here, a little bit more, to 54,600. Again, the big blind is 26,000. And then the uh, small blind decides to 3-bet to 312,000. Now, that's a big bet. It's about six times the amount of our original raise. And then the big blind, who was the guy we wanted to 3-bet us, folds. So the action is on Hero holding the ace-king. Uh, again, there's been a raise from the cutoff, and now... The small blind has three bet, kind of extra large, leaving himself with another 88 big blinds behind. So, uh, not a fun spot. You could certainly call and take a flop in position with ace-king. The problem is you might get outplayed when you miss that flop, especially having given the small blind the lead in the hand. Uh, by that, I mean he would have been the last aggressor before the flop. It's okay to control the pot that way. I actually prefer a three bet with the intention of folding. That might sound crazy to some of you, but remember, he starts the hand with 100 big blinds. So we're not looking to get all in against that hand. Generally speaking, nowadays, five bets and six bets and seven bets etc. are made only with very big pairs, queens, kings, aces, and the occasional ace-king, especially this deep. Like I say, 60, 70 big blinds, 
might not be too bad to get all in. You don't love it, but you can do it and it's, it's marginally profitable. But 100 big blinds, you're really not trying to get all in. At the same time, Ace-King doesn't necessarily want to see a flop. So I would want to give myself a chance to just take this down. Uh, we don't want to put in too many chips. We start this hand with about $3 million. And so I would make the raise that I would make with aces or kings. And it's not exactly a clickback, but just a little bit more than two and a half times the bet. So I might want to make it about 780 here, I guess. Yeah, like 780 feels right. And then if he continues the aggression and puts in the five bet, <laughs> I'm not going to six bet with ace king. I'm probably just going to fold. You could also just flat call here in position and see a flop. So let's see what Hero did. Again, I have not looked at this hand at all before starting this recording. Okay, so we do call. And now with 685000 in the pot and the small blind with only $2.6 behind, the flop comes king, queen, five, rainbow, king of spades, queen of clubs, five of hearts. And we have ace of spades, king of hearts for top pair. A great flop for our hand. And the small blind continuation bets, 426000 into the 685000 pot. So a sizable C bet here. I mean, this is two-thirds of the pot. It's a pretty serious bet sizing. I don't really think we can raise, and I don't really think we can fold. I think we need to call. It feels like our opponent is very, very strong. However, we don't call pre-flop with ace-king to fold on a king-high board. So we just have to call. This might be a hand where we end up losing a bunch of chips. We'll see. All right, so we call. And now the turn comes the queen of spades. So with 1.5 million in the middle and villain with only 1.9 million while we have 2.2 million so we have him covered by just a bit now villain checks i cannot bet this card i'm sorry there's just too much ace queen too much full house or quads i mean there's just too much going on here for me to want to try to value bet my ace king we need to control the pot here uh and not double this guy up in the event that we're beat what's beating us aces kings and queens all hands that might want to three bet really big before the flop so even though we block aces and we block kings we don't block queens and we can't even beat ace queen if that hand is in his pre-flop three bet big range and for me it is so possibly it is for him as well so i'm not going to take this check as a green light to try to bet and give value for my hand i think the play here is to check behind and just play in position on the river so hero decides to check behind as well which we love this is great news so Good job, <laughs> Mark Lovin. I like your check back on the turn. I think betting just opens up too many cans of too many worms. Now, on the river, it's an ace of hearts. 
for a final board of king, queen, five, queen, ace. No flush. And now, villain decides to check once again. All right. Do we want to value bet on the river? Yeah, I think we have to. I mean, we have aces and kings. There are hands that can call now. Uh, Ace-jack, ace-ten, other suited aces that might have three-bet pre-flop from the small blind position, right? Ace-five suited, hands like that. Well, there's actually an ace and a five on the board, so all those hands are somewhat unlikely. I doubt we can get paid off by the hands we really want them to have, like pocket-jacks, pocket-tens. We do have to fear ace-queen a little bit, but... I don't know. I can't really check behind. I don't think too many players are capable of C-bet, check, check, when they can beat ace-king in this spot. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the small blind is some kind of legend and he can do that. But most players nowadays, when they when they hit their hand, they want to try to get some value and not count on me to bluff into this scary board. So for that reason, I think we have a value bet here. And we're trying to get called by a hand like ace-ten, ace-jack, king-jack, king-ten. Those kinds of hands that might not necessarily be in everybody's small blind three betting range. Some players never call from the small blind, so they always three bet when they play the small blind. Which would mean that if he chose to play ace-ten or king-jack, he would have had to three bet with them. I just think that checking behind on this river leaves too much on the table too often. Hands that can pay us off, ace-jack, king-jack, king-ten, ace-ten, they're out there and we need to try to get value from them. Obviously, if we bet this river and get check raised, we're in hell, (laughs) but I think we can fold. I mean, unless the guy is an absolute tormentor genius, uh, we're not getting check raised by worse, like hardly ever. So we can pretty confidently bet for value with the intention of folding to any uh, pressure on the end. So let's see what our hero did. It checks and hero checks behind. Okay, pretty conservative play here. And now the big reveal. What did villain have all along? Turns out he had king queen. So... Uh, He probably would have check-raised us had we bet the river. I still don't like the check-back on the end. Even though we would have gotten check-raised, I still think it's a spot for a value bet. He's got king-queen offsuit, and he made that huge pre-flop three-bet against us. And then he he out-flopped us and got lucky and bet big and got some value there. But if he would have played king-queen this way, that means he might have played ace-jack this way ace 10 this way king jack this way and other hands that can pay off a value bet on the river so despite the results showing that checking behind worked in our favor this time i still think we have a value bet here on the end and that checking behind versus villains c bet check check line is just a little too nitty for me that being said i'm glad at mark c lovin that you did not do what I would have done because you obviously would have lost at least a few more chips by doing so. Thank you for sending in that hand. And if anybody else 
has a hand you want to submit for me to take a look at on the podcast and review. It's always fun to do that. And I would do it this way, not study the hand ahead of time, not think about it, but just give you my thoughts as we go through it together. Uh, and the way to do that is to use twitter.com slash Clayton comic. All right, guys, we're going to do one more hand and this will be a hand that I'm actually familiar with. <laughs> one that I played myself and I hope that you guys enjoy it. So this one comes from the early stages of a $55 one-day tournament on ACR. Um, it's a $55 buy-in. I believe there's a $25,000 guarantee. First prize in this tournament is something like $4,200, something in that range, uh, unless they don't have an overlay, which I've noticed a lot of these tournaments typically do get some sort of overlay. Now, if you find a tournament online that has an overlay, even a small one, you might want to consider playing it unless it's way out of your normal bankroll requirements. The reason why is because the effect of an overlay is basically a rake reduction, which who doesn't love a nice rake reduction? Now, the rake on ACR is somewhat reasonable. Most of the tournaments are you know, less than 10% or around 10% for the lower stakes, like a $15 tournament would have a rake of $1.50. And then I believe all players on ACR get some sort of rake back and the bonuses and the promotions. So compared to what you guys are used to paying at your local casino for the daily tournament, uh, it's a, a huge bargain to play online poker. So that's one thing. Of course, the competition on ACR is probably substantially tougher than the average Joes and Janes that you might find in your local card room. But... Yeah, so for this tournament, I believe it's a $50 plus $5. So let's say they have an overlay of a $25,000 guarantee, but they only get $22,000 worth of buy-ins. Well, now they have to take the rake that they would normally take out of the buy-in plus entry fee and now return that entry fee, a.k.a. the rake, back to the prize pool to meet the guarantee. So we love when that happens because it just means that the casino or the online poker room, as the case may be, is now in a position where they have to add some value to the players. So one thing I always keep in mind is that if the rake is 10%, that means to actually be profitable in that tournament, I have to be 10% better than the average player in that tournament in order to make any money in the long run. Now, obviously, any fool can make a final table. as A blind squirrel gets a nut every so often, right? We know all this old expressions people like to talk about like a Darwin moon or whoever else ends up, you know, going really deep in a tournament. But by and large, you want to play tournaments where you are better than the amount that you have to pay in rake compared with the average player in the tournament. In other words, if 10 of us got together to play a sit and go a hundred dollars each winner takes all 100 times 10 is 1000. The average player at that table, if you could play that same table over and over and over for an infinite number of years and repetitions, the average player at that table is going to win exactly 10% of the time and be break even. But that has no rake. So if you add a 10% rake, now in order to break even, that player needs to be 10% better than he was before and so on and so on. So you want to really look at the rake. How much better am I 
than the average player in this tournament. And be honest with yourself, guys. If your local card room is doing uh, an $80 nightly tournament where $60 goes to the prize pool and $20 goes to the house, that is a 33% rake. So in order to just break even in that tournament, you have to be at least 33% better than the average player in it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's asking a lot. I mean, that better be a uh, very soft aquarium in order to be worth your while. So sorry for the tangent there, guys. I know you want to hear about this hand, but once I get started talking about rake and the effect that it has, it's a subject that does bring out a certain amount of passion in me because I've been around the game long enough to remember when standard rake sizes were much lower and casinos were less greedy. Anyway, I don't want to open that can of worms again. I want to get to this hand. So it's early on in the $25,000 guarantee on ACR. The buy-in is $55, five of which goes to the house and the other 50 to the prize pool. The blinds are 50 and 100, and the table is seven-handed. Hero is in the cutoff, so fourth position at a seven-handed table, with 21,000, up from a starting stack of 20,000. Hero holds the 10 of spades, nine of spades. So, do we want to open this? I think so. Folds to us, and we make it. 200, which is exactly two times the big blind. There's nothing wrong with using just a, a minimum raise in online poker. Now, in live poker, you hardly ever get folds for that amount, but online, some players are tight enough to fold, even though they're getting relatively good pot odds, like in this case, the pot odds, pot odds are about four and a half to one. So my opponent does call, but some would not. So we're going to play Heads up in position versus the big blind. So let me tell you a little bit about the big blind. Uh, he has a very high PFA, which stands for post-flop aggression factor. It's just how often after the flop he bets and raises as opposed to checks and calls. Uh, his is almost 7, 6.9, and I have over 600 hands on this opponent. So this is a player that I have done battle with in the past, and I know that he likes to get after it all the time. He does not like to play passively. Now he starts the hand with just a little less than what I've got. So both of us are in the 200 plus big blinds range. So that gives you a lot of maneuverability. And I like that because that's the best most fun kind of poker to play is deep stacked where everybody has wiggle room. You don't just have to, you know, push or fold. You have all the tools in your bag available to you. So we love that. And the flop comes jack of spades, six of spades, six of diamonds, giving hero a flush draw with the 10 of spades, nine of spades. Okay. So on the flop, the villain the player I just described with that very high PFA decides to check. Now, do we want to see bet into this Jack six, six, we have a flush draw on a paired board. So I think these are good spots for 
semi-bluffing at least part of the time. And so, yeah, I choose to put in just a minimum bet here. Just go ahead and put in a small amount, just 200. Not exactly minimum. The minimum would have been 100. But yeah, we put in 200 into the 534 pot. So I guess that means there must be some sort of tiny ante as well at this point in the tournament. So uh, Villain decides to check raise it to no one's surprise. And he does so small, making it 550. Okay, so he makes it 550. Do we want to keep raising? I mean, you certainly can. There's some chance that he's got absolute air. You know, my notes on this player are that he's loose and aggressive and that he's got that huge PFA factor. So if you want to get in there with him and and just have a raise battle and have a spitting contest, whatever you want to call it, I really don't have a problem with that against this player. I mean, we're not really trying to get all 200 big blinds in because of every so often he is going to have a six, right? Or he could have a full house or even a better flush draw. We only have the 10 high flush draw. So uh, if we do raise here and he keeps coming at us, I think we will have to fold at some point. Um, and you can also get into other kinds of trouble, which is if you raise and he just calls and then the flush comes, some of the time you will be behind. So you've got to be able to maneuver. But you know, being in position makes it that much easier, way easier to maneuver in that way. So I really don't mind if you want to do that. I decided to just go ahead and call. I am in position. We have a very deep stack. We've got a hand that, although it has a lot of potential and a lot of cards that can improve us on the turn, at the moment we just have 10 high. So I decide to call that check raise and see what happens on the turn. And the turn comes off. It's the ace of hearts. So now the board is a jack of spades, six of spades, six of diamonds, ace of hearts. So hero still having the flush draw with the 10-9 of spades. And there's 1634 in the pot, both hero and villain with roughly 13 times that. So SPR is not a factor right now. So on that ace of hearts... Our opponent decides to check. Okay, so remember, guys, he check-raised on the flop, and now he's just checking on the turn. So it's an unusual line. Usually, if you take the lead in a hand on the flop, most of the time you want to follow up with another bet on the turn, unless the flop move was an utter bluff. Uh, the other time you might want to do that is when, as happened here, you liked your hand on the flop, and you liked it enough to check raise, but you like it a lot less on the turn. So the ace of hearts may have scared our opponent if he has just like a, a bare jack in his hand, something like jack nine, jack ten, jack eight. Like all of those hands are in his range. Actually, he might have called our pre-flop raise with virtually any jack, especially suited versions. So he could have a jack, and now... Just have some fear that we have outdrawn him on the turn and that the ace would likely have hit our range rather than his and is just giving up. So we decide to go ahead and fire when he checks. I think I expect to win this hand a lot with this bet on the turn. It's another semi-bluff. Uh, I decide to bet 1,000 into 1,600 and villain, to my somewhat surprise, calls. So, again, his, his PFA is 7. 
So he doesn't do a lot of calling. It doesn't feel like him. So he's either slow playing a monster or he, like we, is drawing to that flush. I don't expect him to have an ace, like ever. I don't really expect him to have a jack very much here because I think this particular opponent would have folded. There's just too much that can beat him now if he just has a bare jack. I very well could have hit that ace. I could even have a six in my range. I mean, I raised from late position. I would do that with six, five, seven, six, possibly even eight, six suited, maybe even six, four suited at this seven-handed table. My late position opening ranges are pretty darn wide. So he can't rule out a six or an ace, and he probably can't take too much more pressure with a jack on the river. So why not just throw it away now? So I don't think he has many jacks in his range at this point. So when he calls there, I'm expecting him to show a flush draw a lot. The river comes, the deuce of diamonds, and our opponent checks. Now we have to bet, guys. There are two reasons to bet. The way this hand has gone, it feels to me like our opponent is drawing a huge amount of the time. And when he's not, I expect him to have a jack. And I cannot let a jack or a better flush draw beat me this time. Now, I can check behind and beat a hand like 8-7 suited, right? So we both missed everything. And now my 10 high beats his 8 high. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we need to bet here. And if you are in the habit of giving up just because a lot of chips are in the middle, I'm going to encourage you to go a little bit deeper into the way you view your poker hands. This is a spot where we need to A, push him off a jack that made a rather heroic call on the turn, and B, definitely push him off of hands like king, queen of spades or whatever. We've just got to get him to throw away spades that can beat us. If I check behind here with my 10 high, which is basically the bottom of my range. Now, again, you want to try to pick hands that are towards or at the bottom of your range to use as your bluffing candidates. So it feels to me like this is a perfect spot for a bluff, especially when I believe that I've surmised our opponent's range consists largely of flush draws. So with the final board of jack, six, six, ace, deuce, and no flush, hero holding the 10 of spades, nine of spades, I decide to fire out 2,700 into the 3,600 pot, and I remember our opponent folded instantly. So there's some chance we had the best hand the whole time. Like I said, if he had a lower flush draw, but why check and hope for that when I can bet and win the pot versus that and so much more? Now you might question my sizing here on the end. You know, I bet 27 into 36. You can question that sizing because it is rather large, but remember, I'm not just trying to fold out other flush draws that missed. I've also got a few jacks to worry about here. I don't expect him to fold an ace. He's definitely never folding a six. So our bluff targets here are the other flush draws, possibly even some that made a pair, by the way. There's some chance he made a pair on the end when the deuce hit. So we got to go a little heavier to beat that. And we've also got to go a little heavier to get him to fold that jack that held on on the turn. Although, I, again, I don't think there are too many of those jacks in our opponent's range here. The other reason to bet so big is because we're polarized, right? We're representing a six. 
So when we go this big on the river, we're actually saying, look, I can either have a six or I can beat a six. I don't think I would go for this sizing with an ace. Because, I mean, can you really get called by a jack? I mean, the point of this bet is we're getting a jack to fold. So this is the bet I would make if I had a six or a full house with a hand like a six, something like that, right? This is the bet I would make to try to get action from hands that can beat a jack. I hope that one makes sense. Let me know what you guys think about it. Again, on Twitter, at Clayton Comic. Also, please, if you haven't done so yet, take the time to check out our website, tournamentpokeredge.com. We've got so many videos and such good prices. So you want to get in there and get yourself some very high-quality poker instruction at a very affordable cost. So for everyone here at TPE, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. Love it, it's not rough, it isn't fun, fun Oh, whoa